Um, right. They're literally like like Jaeger piloting this like <laughs> contraption and they're pushing all of the buttons all the time. Can I get a reaction? And Can be, I get a reaction? And to be honest, I kind of want to do that now too. <laughs> it's just now I have guilt. It's yeah. like the extra right, level right. of like, well, fuck. Welcome to The Thought Dish. I'm Kayla. And I'm Elizabeth. And what's on your plate today, Liz? Responsibilities. I'm, I'm, I'm Tommy from The Rugrats. I'm like, baby's gotta do what baby's gotta do. Uh, responsibilities. Responsibilities. <laughs> it, it came up in my therapy. And then it's kind of, it kind of hit home with some stuff that's happened over the weekend with us. As friend groups, things kind of... Weird things happened, and then we immediately were like, "Oh, it's our, it's our fault." And uh-huh. in reality, it's not. And the biggest thing is, I'm doing parts work with my therapy. And one of the things is, I brought up that there's like seven year old me that shows up, like the Kool Aid Man, and like busts into a room with a random fun fact that might not be so fun for everybody listening. And then she disappears. And the biggest thing is I realize she doesn't read the room. She doesn't care to. She's just like, this brought me extreme joy. And now I have to drop this extreme joy on you. Do with it what you will. And then she'll just like disappear into the ethos. Like nothing happened. I love that part. (laughs) That's a fun part. That's a fun part. But the problem is everything else goes, oh shit. She started a fire in the other room. What happened? And then I immediately worry of like, did I hurt somebody's feelings? Did I ruin something for somebody? Did I, you know, not do the right thing at the right time? And talking to my therapist about it, and she's like, yeah, this part of you didn't have to learn from trauma to read the room. So it's it's the part of you that was always going to be like this way, this way if you didn't have this trauma, because it's not your responsibility to read the room. It's not your responsibility to manage other people's emotions. Yeah, so it's like just your pure organic self. Yeah, and I was like, well, I hate that it's like my seven-year-old me, your organic self. (laughs) The fucking Kool-Aid man busts in the room. Okay, did you know about syphilis? I think that we were perfect when we were born, and then the shit got handed to us, and then then we just become who we are. But I think it's interesting that you said seven-year-old self, because that is what... The best therapist I ever had, who also does parts work, told me is like everything that we become mentally and emotionally, it's between the time we're born and seven years old. So the reason why I picked seven is because that's when most traumatic things happen to me that sticks with me the most. And I am able to separate myself from that event now. Because I know it wasn't my fault. It's not. It wasn't my responsibility. I was seven and that sort of thing. But it definitely is where everything else started taking over. You know, like the protective, the everything was like, well, now we're in charge. Sorry, seven-year-old you. You have to sit. And I can kind of see that where like all the fundamental parts of you are from birth to seven. And then after that is you interacting with the world. And that's how you get changed. Yep. But yeah, that's one of the the biggest traumatic events that happened to me was like when I was seven. So it's it's really funny that that's like the whole situation. Yeah, she just like explicit like I love it when people like I don't want to say dumb things down like I don't like that, but I I like what it mean what it's supposed to mean. Like I like it when people tell me exactly why things happen. Like I want to know that whether it's a 
something I'm working on with parts work or something I'm trying to figure out with my emotions and my fear and my the way that I isolate myself and medications when I'm being introduced to a new medication. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why is this going to work? What am I looking for? When is it bad? When do I know it's working? When do I can I email you every second of every day? Because that's what I feel like I need to do. Like I'm that person. And I don't know, like obviously we're generation, we're the millennials and we're why like asking why all the freaking time. But when I'm going through all this stuff, like I feel like that seven year old me that I brought up in my part stuff when I was like heavy into that, my youngest sister was born when I was seven. And it's also about the same time that I first witnessed I heard it before then, but I actually witnessed the abuse that was going on in my home. So I think that, like, I don't know if we just remember things and it's like very impactful around that time because we're like, quote unquote, done emotionally and mentally developing. And then with that, we like go into life now. Well, there was something, and I don't know if it's before the age of three or before the age of five, where they talk about how technically little little kids are fucking sociopaths because they haven't developed empathy yet they don't know how to see the other person's perspective you telling a three-year-old being like well you hurt them they don't give a fuck yeah (laughs) they don't have that developed yet and so that helped me understand kids a lot more too where you're like you have to have your expectations correct for the age group and I think that was also something I didn't have as growing up is my expectations for my my mother's specific expectations for me were a lot higher than my age group. Have you talked to our friends, too? I think it's really cool. The whole like the ones that have kids the mm-hmm. um, that are like um, the gentle parenting movement yeah. where it's like you get hit by your three year old, mm-hmm. beat up yep. by your three year old. No and you're yet. like and you're like, that hurts. Please don't do that. And that's like a thing for like six months to like a year and a half yeah, of just like repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I'm hurting my mom. Right. They're literally <laughs> like, like Jaeger piloting this like contraption and they're pushing all of the buttons all the time. Can I get a reaction? And Can be, I get a reaction? To be honest, I kind of want to do that now too. <laughs> it's just now I have guilt. It's yeah. Like the extra right, level right. of like, well, fuck. But yeah, it's like, I am so for the gentle parenting movement because I realize, and I know this sounds really bad to all the parents out there. I do this to my cat. I do this for every pet I've ever had where they bite me. And so then I give a reaction of like overdramatic, like I'm in pain. And they suddenly, after a while, they're like, oh shit, are you okay? Like your your animal is suddenly like, don't do that. They will have a time. I don't (laughs) want that. That's what, um, it's funny that you brought that up. So the other night, Sam was standing over Katie's bone. Um, that's one of our dogs. Whoever doesn't know that, and Sam is my imagine like a Sam's toddler. my partner. Okay, so imagine a toddler with a bone. <laughs> so Katie is like sees this bone, and she's like kind of doing this low growl. And I was like, "What is she doing?" And like we didn't see the bone, we didn't know what mm-hmm. was going on. Um, Sam's like standing above it or like on it basically because it was underneath the blanket, and like he moved, and she like attacked the at the bone, but grabbed his ankle, mm-hmm. and we were like what like that doesn't happen like murder we were like holy shit and like we reacted this huge huge way Mm -hmm. and she like put her tail between her legs she ran into the kennel she's like i'm so sorry 
And then we started watching TV and she like very sheepishly and very quietly just went right up to the couch, jumped right up next to Sam and like cuddled the shit out of him for the rest of the night. She's like, I am so sorry. I ruined it. So that totally makes sense. Like a big reaction. And they're like, oh, (laughs) yeah, we'd always always go like, we'd start shouting like, especially with puppies, because we used to, we used to breed puppies. And one of the things is when they started biting you, um, because puppy teeth aren't the worst, but they still freaking hurt. You just start going, owie, 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 owie. And they'd be like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Like, and they don't want, because, like, they realize, like, this is not the playtime anymore. Because they have their own things with that, where, like, yeah. they'll growl or they do certain things to to indicate they don't want to play anymore. And so it was one of those things we'd do that. So all you have to go is, owie, owie. And then they'd be like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Like, we'll, we will we will step take a step back. So it's funny, because, like, that's exactly what gentle parenting is. Except now you can use your words. Yeah. <laughs> And over and over and over and over again yeah, until they get it. <laughs> yeah. And and there were so many people that I've talked to. I think I've talked to my mom about gentle parenting too and like the level of the yeah. amount that people think it's a pushover thing. And I was like, no, I do it to my cat or I sarcastically talk to her and be like, I guess if you really want to do that, but that's how you're going to fall off and die. And you can be a snarky asshole to your kids when doing gentle parenting, but you're doing it in a way where you're, you're caring about their safety you're not actually harming them and getting your point across. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it develops a more witty intellectual human. Oh, yeah, too. they'll gentle parent you. And like, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, it's a good, it's an awesome thing. Like, if, if Sam and I ever do end up having kids, that's for sure the route that we're going to go. But oh, yeah, I am, I'm definitely not, it's, it, I'm not like a, a spanker because I learned, I told my mom this and she was really mad about it. And she's, I was like, all spanking taught me was to not get caught. It told me that I couldn't trust you with this information because I was going to get hit. Yep. And therefore I need to hide it and I need yep. to be better at hiding. And I got better at lying because yep. I was in a very strict household. I got really good at lying to the point my parents believed me through anything. I could make myself sick. Yep. I could give myself a fever. And I don't want that. I want my kid to come home or call me up and go, yeah, there's drinking at this party. I've already had two drinks. Mom, mm-hmm. can you pick me up? Yep. And the consequence is the hangover, not me. And maybe, you know, you don't get to go to the next party because you you went to a party and drank. One of our friends, I don't know if she wants to have her name brought into this or whatever, but one of our friends' daughter was like hanging out with her friend. They were, it was, so it was the mom, our friend, and then her daughter and then her daughter's friend. And they were talking about something like super inappropriate and her daughter's friend was like, oh, my God, why would you say that in front of your mom? And she's like, my mom's cool. I trust my mom. Like, it's just like, very, like it's just like one of those things where, like, I would be completely fine with my kids swearing. And then but they have to learn the consequences of swearing and face it. Like, you do not get to swear at me when you're mad and you're being punished for something. That means you've taken it too far. You don't get to swear at school in front of your teachers. No. You need to give some. Because you will have consequences yeah, there. Cons- they, and they, they I, can't require, I can't help it. They require, <laughs> they require respect. I mean, I might stop them and be like, your daughter said shit. I'm like, it was, if it was after she like stabbed, like hurt herself, I'm like, shit. I'm like, use it right to contact. Honestly, <laughs> that, I'll, I'll allow it. Don't punish her for that. Yeah. I mean, but it's just one of those things where like, if you put a lot of emphasis behind things that don't actually need them, then you have consequences to them that are long lasting and they suck. You know, it's that you suddenly have guilt for them. Yeah. You suddenly are reading the room because now you can't trust whatever is coming out of you 
is going to be accepted as the age-appropriate thing. I was reading The Room at a very young age. Same. Because it wasn't, it wasn't okay for me to react in the way that was my age. Like, my mom's least favorite thing was when kids throw tantrums at restaurants. And I'm like, you do realize they're children, right? Like, they haven't even figured out how to function. They barely know how to pee in a toilet. Like, what? <laughs> like, especially when babies are crying and screaming. I'm like, babies cry and scream because they need things and they don't know how to express it. I'm sorry your lunch was ruined. <laughs> like, it, it it's just something where it took me a really long time to be okay with those things because I also thought kids had to be perfect because I had to be yep. and I had to read the room and I had to measure out other people's responses and so I couldn't be the person at fifteen randomly dropping fun facts because I would be considered weird or dumb or so now you're just living your best life out here now I'm just obnoxious <laughs> how we like ya. <laughs> that's, that's how because I, I learned I, I, I had a, a bad time where I was conforming to everybody's everything in middle school and I had a birthday party at the end of the school year because my birthday was during the summer so everyone's gone we'd always have it on the last day of school and we'd always invite my entire class and for years it was great and then one year no one showed up and that was when I realized that it was a situation where I was trying to cater to everyone else the only reason people showed up were for the goodie bags we did, and no one actually gave a shit about me. That's a hard one. Yep. It was also the same year I talked shit about one girl because she tried to get me in trouble in elementary school, and I was like, yeah, she's not that great of a person. I didn't realize she was, the person I was talking to was her best friend. And so this this girl, we call her C, she stops me in homeroom and goes, I heard you are talking shit to my, my friend. And for some reason, seven-year-old me showed up and was like, yeah, but I didn't say anything wrong. I didn't say anything untruthful. What are you going to do about it? I don't know where she showed up. She just fucking took over. She's like, you know what? No. And I think it's because seven-year-old me was hurt by her. So seven-year-old me showed up. <laughs> and well, and you were honest. I think that that's the hardest thing. I was like, I thing. never said anything when you incorrect. Start, when you start to socialize with people, it's like the whole, you know, you want to be liked when you get to that oh, age. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes... You were more evolved, you know. In that moment, I was suddenly top tier. I mm. I, I was envious of me at that moment. Because <laughs> immediately after that, I had that onset of guilt. But I shouldn't because it was my responsibility to talk about truthful things. Um, Because I think, if I remember right, I had said, I don't really like her. And then the person said, why? And so I explained why I didn't like her. And I didn't say she couldn't be friends with her. I didn't say anything like that. I just said, I just don't like her and I don't like hanging out with her. And so, so when it came to homeroom, I was like, I didn't say anything untruthful. Correct me if I was wrong. And she fucking turned back and bright red, wouldn't talk to me. I was just like, I felt powerful until the bell rang. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> and I gotta go deal with this. Now I have consequences to my actions. Yeah. But it's not my responsibility to, to, you know mediate how she's gonna feel yeah see and i was like at a fault i wanted everyone to like me yeah. and i like lied about a bunch of shit when i was younger too that's something i have to work on in therapy and continually too but i like would try to get people to like me and get attention because i wasn't getting that in my household so it was like a different a total different mindset i um, i wanted people to like me but it felt because of how i was being raised 
more of like a power move of collecting allies. It always felt like I was going to lose. If I didn't have enough people on my side, I was going to lose. And that's how my family argues is that I have to win. That's how basically race, being up with the Joneses, don't have any CNN issues, you have the perfect, better, everything. And in reality, I was like, mm, shit sucks. And at some point, I just kind of, I make the joke, I make my mental illness everybody's problem. But it's, it's mostly because, like, hey, this exists in this space. So if I say anything off, you come to me and say that it felt off. Because that's not my responsibility to monitor if it's off to you. And there's a chance it could happen because I have been raised in a situation where I'm fucked up. And I need people to keep me in check, knowing full well that I might hate that you kept me in check and I might have to go off someplace because being wrong was like losing like losing a war. And now you are worthless. I feel like that like okay, so tying into what happened with the acquaintance of the group that we've created, I feel as though sometimes that's how probably they feel is like I don't know, almost like they're at war um, and trying to get, like, collect the people on their side, but it's deeper. It's so much deeper than that. I think that that's, that's the difference. And I don't want to, I don't want to be around people that aren't working on the things that we are. Like right now in this podcast, we're self-therapizing ourselves. Like it it feels really good right me for me right now because I don't have a therapist. <laughs> but like it's I feel like we're normalize what we're going Yes, down. and we're all working on it. I feel like the core values of like the group that I'm very proud to say are my friends is that we're all aware of like we might not know exactly how we're going to wake up and what triggers and what traumas and what past bullshit is going to show its face that day, but like we're here for it. We're trying to figure it out. We fuck up and then we try to fix it and we learn and we grow. And if somebody is just like posting through life and making decisions and choices and not giving a shit about the consequences, no thank you. And the thing is, the reason why I always thought it was war is because of my mother. And this is also why that acquaintance is really hard. I have a bad habit where certain people react act certain ways. I immediately think they're a narcissist. And I have been trying to get better at doing, not immediately putting this label on them, being like, narcissist. Because most people aren't narcissists. They have narcissistic tendencies. Sometimes it's for safety. It's sometimes for whatever. Hell, you and I have narcissistic tendencies. Was it you? Oh, everyone does. But some of them are more prominent than others. Were you telling me the the DMS? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, The the DSM? DSM. It's not in there anymore. Yeah, they let it's it. It's a symptom of something. There's else. something else that I was reading about too recently. I shouldn't even have brought it up because I don't remember what it is. But something else was dropped. Mm-hmm. It was narcissist as that label. Nobody can be labeled or what is that called? Diagnosed. Yep. It's Nobody a can be diagnosed. Of something else. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. I'm still going to call my mom a narcissist. Narcissist. Well, and the thing like that, the whole narcissist thing is just trying to make yourself look the best regardless of literally anything else so there's two ways actually narcissism goes with that either they're trying to make themselves look the best or they're trying to give people 
have people give them the most pity so they have the most people caring about them. So they become top of mind for somebody else. So you can have the people that come in and just get the pity party. Our acquaintance had a bit. Get the pity party. It's over and over again. And you keep coming to their defense. You keep saving them. They are the victim, actually, because that means they're always center of attention. The attention is not what you and I would want. Our attention would be like we did something really great and people are going to pay attention to us. That's the other kind of narcissist where you keep putting at this front that you're always great, always fantastic. Everybody else sucks. And so it took me a while to realize that the type that I've grown up with is the pity party. And it is the winning a war. The way I was raised was you have to win a war. You have to win this battle. And so I was seeing that a bit. Acquaintance, I didn't want to say narcissistic and like tell people. Because like I keep labeling people this because it's hitting those triggers. Well, and this group was created for safety. Right. right. And, and support. The problem is now hindsight. I'm like, I should have told somebody about it. Oh, what a should have cut out all the time. Right. Like, but it's not my responsibility to determine See, that. that's the thing. So, it like, sucks. Yeah. You want, you're like, I could, I could have fixed everything. Mm-hmm. But you can't. That's yeah. another thing. Is like, now we're Well, and, and I also think, like, so, yeah, this was a really shitty thing. And I just felt for the other person involved so deeply. Um, And I should have listened to my inner knowing. At that time. And I think that it's just a check to be like, you know what? Yes, you do know more sometimes. And it's okay to kind of do what you think is right, no matter what the other person, people, whatever says. And it's just another reminder of that. Of Like, you can't. I get it. Like what you were saying, like, you're just supposed to trust things at face value. When people we, we tell created, you we things. We created an environment where that was the goal. Right. And that's the problem. Right. And then I think it's just like. It's like letting, if you let more people into the space that you don't have that relationship with, just realize that there might be more questions you need to ask because you can't just assume safely that this is exactly what is happening. Well, and then that makes us now have this back and have a question of, do we make this group more close-knit? Like you have to hit an X amount of interactions or maybe there is a vote of, do we bring this person in and brought in without multiple people agreeing right because now we have to put up our own boundaries and defenses because it was treated like a war zone like yeah, suddenly somebody else yeah. was trying to win this battle that we didn't even well, know we were in and i think it was i don't know if it was you or aaron or i mean we were kind of talking in a little group just to understand what the whiplash that was the last couple of days happened yeah it was aggressive it was just a lot um and we were trying to figure out like what role we played in the different things and what like emotions were just taking over and what actually happened. Right. And I think that that's a really good thing to, once the person let decided to leave the group, cause it's a private group. Yep. So they have to decide to leave, but members of the group have to add the people into it. It's not like yep. he can all of a sudden be like, I'm back in bitches. Right. <laughs> Can't do that. Um, but I think that that's a really good rule of thumb of like, hey, there's this person that's been here over and over again. How do you feel? But right now in the group, I feel solid with every single person um, because I did have to do it was a couple couple weeks ago, you maybe a week calling. ago. I had to go through for someone else to make sure that this certain person was out of the group. And so I had to make sure that that person was released from the group. And so I looked at that point. I just like looked at the members. I'm like, I'm curious, like who is in here? 
anymore. And I'm like, okay, well, now that this person has released themselves from the group for whatever their reasons are and whatever they need to work on, it feels really good. Right. It feels really good in there now. Um, There's like a sense of like, <sighs> and, and the thing is too, is like we kept from ourselves, kept from telling others how we really felt. Yeah. Because we didn't want to ruin the group for others. Yep. That's exactly I it. didn't let my seven year old take over and go, Hey, this person's giving me bad vibes. And I hate whenever they talk in this chat because it's giving me bad vibes. And it's not because like what they said is bad or like genuinely they're no, a bad person. No, the energy like, was very off. The, the What was happening was like, I really hate this energy and I don't want to be in this. Yep. And I had multiple people during my, because I had a lot of feelings. Okay. We, we had feelings <laughs> a lot. I had a lot of feelings. So it was a lot of typing. <laughs> um, But I had some people that after I explained, you know, as much as I felt was okay to explain from talking with multiple individuals i had some direct text messages that were like thank you because this is how i've been feeling and this is like whatever and i'm like okay but i i mean we i feel like we just try to see like okay well maybe this person just needs the support right now and like we're just going to be here for them and whatever until you can't anymore and then and you're like feels, this feels very much like your energy is being drained even if they say that they they're giving, they're giving, they're giving, but the energy that you have to put in to receive is outweighing the interaction. What I think is interesting is people's perception of what giving and taking is. Yeah, that's a whole other can of worms too. Because you can say you're giving your energy to people, but you could be taking so much mm -hmm. energy. One of the, from what's actually yeah. one of the things I've brought up with my sister, and we have this conversation frequently because she's she's gotten a lot better, and I'm very proud of her on learning to not treat relationships like transactions. And because there was a time in which she'd be like, "Well, I'd be giving my friends this, but they won't be able to give it back to me, so they're not my friend anymore." Like, why is this this, this like we're not exchanging money? It's not like an exchange rate. And now that she has her boyfriend, I'm able to like put him in that context. And she's like, she would never do that. It is not an exchange. So if someone says, well, I've been only giving to the group, I'm like, and what does that mean? Did you expect stuff in return? Do you think you're putting quarters in and now you're going to have friendship? Right. No, I give to the group all the time. And sometimes I can't give what I think I should be. Now giving. that you're talking about this, it kind of makes me feel icky, like See, even like, more icky. Because I've talked to, and Stella, I'm bringing your name up because you know how you always think it's you. And so this time it is. <laughs> I, I've, I've talked to her about like, I felt really bad because one time she, she needed support and she couldn't get it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I couldn't give it to you. I couldn't even type that I could give it to you. And she said, no, I was just going through something. I'm not expecting you. Huh. And it was one of those things where it's a realization of like, when you can give it, give it. But when you can't, you can't. And you should never expect that others should fulfill that. You should have your coping mechanisms. You should have your pillars that you have. I think my sister's therapist gave her like a circle of crust and each circle, like a bullseye. Like in the center, these are the people you talk to when like shit's going down. What is that movie, The Circle of Trust? The Sorry, circle I had an ADHD moment. There's a movie? It's, like, it's coming to me. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. Meet the parents. When he's like, Greg, this is the circle of trust. <laughs> like, that's going to be a thing now. In our family, we have the circle of trust. 
hers made sense because it was like, okay, you're making this list of like who you who you trust and you have your bullseye of like people. Let them know that they are going to be the people that you contact when things are going to shit. So they are prepared for that responsibility. And if they're not prepared for that responsibility, they can tell you no. They're still your trusted circle. Yep. But they just can't take that responsibility. And so you have the few people in your 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 group that can take that responsibility and can help you guide through your coping mechanisms because it's still on you to go through your coping mechanism. But if you are you know, in the dark, not see the light, who are you going to call to help you get to the next step? See, and for me, that varies. It does. It depends on the situation. It depends on the situation. It depends on who I feel comfortable in that moment. And it's weird, too, because I was just talking to somebody else on Voxer. I do not remember. Don't even ask me who it was right now. Person. (laughs) Right. A person. About how, like, somebody could reach out to me about something that's going on with me. And I'd be like, thank you, but no thank you. But then another person could come in with a different energy and a different perspective. And I'm like, I welcome that all of a sudden. But it just, it depends on where I'm at, where the person's at, what the situation is, the perspective, like all those things. And the funny thing with this, this circle of truth that is not with me, the family, is that it is not that they reach out to you, you reach out to them. So this is a circle of the people that you trust that you reach out to. It is not their responsibility to check if you're okay. Will they? Because they love you? Probably. But this is the circle you trust with this intimate information and you need to identify that because otherwise you just feel alone. You're like, oh, I can't trust anybody with this information. No, when you were in a good situation, you were able to identify these are the safe people. Oh yeah, my attachment style is so disorganized though. That's the problem. So that's the thing is like she, she, her therapist was basically forcing her to label like the circle. Yeah. Like I think her boyfriend and I are like in the center and then my boyfriend's like on the edge of that first circle because it's like we can trust him. He will help. He'll make sure I'm okay, but I feel weird about it. Yeah. I feel guilty about yeah. it. But he will make sure I'm safe. So if worse comes to worse, call him up. Yep. And then there's like her friends are in that circle. Like it keeps going out and like acquaintances and her coworkers on the out one outside one where tell them what you need. Yep. But they're not gonna get all the information. And so she has that part for when she's disorganized and doesn't know where her fucking brain is. Yeah. And she has her circle. Well, because I'm the the reason why I know I'm disorganized is I've went through the attachment style, um, different different things when it comes to therapy and whatever. But like, you have your anxious, and then you have your avoidant, and more often than not, I am definitely the avoidant. But mm-hmm. the anxiety part of it lives inside me. So like, I'm not outwardly an anxious attachment, but I am inwardly. I'm very much outwardly. People know that I'm an avoidant. Like, but both things are going on simultaneously. Oh, yeah, um, but I'm a very like, nope, I need to address this on my own. And I used to beat myself up about that, but it's like, I need to be clear in my brain and in my body about my feelings and my thoughts before I can be around people. Because I feel like if those subjects are going to be brought up, I might have a reaction towards people that have nothing to do with them. So I'm taking responsibility in that moment to be like, I'm not equipped right now to right. have this conversation. I'm going to sit here, over here, mm-hmm. figure it all out, and then I'll address it. Because I used to be such a quick-to-react anger, and I, I still am. But now I can check it and be like, okay, we're in the anger. 
take responsibility of the big emotions. <laughs> well, and, and then, then let's you've started doing the thing which I need to start doing with you too, which I fucking hate. I had a conversation with my therapist with it. I'm like, I fucking hate it. Um, was that if something gets triggered, you bring it up. And it's happened once or twice since you've had that conversation where I'm like, you should do it back. And I'm like, this feeling ever. And I don't want to sit in this. Oh, I don't even want to tell me, you my when trigger. I say the thing, I'm like, when you when you did the thing, because I'm I in a ball right now. Because when I, you did the thing, it made me feel this way. Well, Please don't hate me forever. Well, Can we still do podcasts? No, like the thing is, the thing is for me, it's like I am reacting. The reason why I don't want to tell you is because how I felt afterwards. Yeah, because of how I felt when you told me, knowing full well you don't mean it in a bad way. No, I was just kind of otherwise like, I would never tell you. My brain was like, <laughs> just like let it just like you're like. Oh, I hope you still do podcasts. I'm like, she's gonna leave me forever and she doesn't want to talk to me anymore. I'm gonna have to get a new nail lady. I'm never gonna get my nails done again. I'm gonna start chewing them again. I'm gonna have any nails. And like I'm going down the spiral. And then I like sent you like 14 messages and then I deleted all of them. And then I sent you like okay. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't my intent, but that was not the point. I hope you're okay now. And then like but it was like I was spiraling until like 2 a.m. Because I haven't like that's not your responsibility to clean up my spiral. I need to find myself in a better space. But now my space is saying, you can't do the same thing to Kayla. She's going to have the same fucking spiral. We can't have that for Kayla. In reality, it's, it's, and the only it's t- not your responsibility for that. Well, and the thing that maybe might help you too, and maybe, because this is what happened to me in therapy, was like, I I will never bring up things that trigger me or hurt my feelings to people I don't trust. I won't. Like, I just would never. But if I trust somebody and I've let somebody into the point of getting to know who I really am and what I've been through and I want to foster that relationship and grow in that relationship then I need to be able to let my guard down and be like I had a big feeling and this is why I know it has nothing to do you're not supposed to fix it at all which is also hard but oh I God. I had this feeling and I want you to know that that way I don't build up resentment and I don't like start right. to spiral in my own brain right yeah Biggest problem is the people that I let into my life that were the closest in my life. The ones we joked that we were going to retire together and get like a Christmas tree farm and we were going to run it when we were 80 years old and live out in the middle of nowhere. It's come up so often. Let's just make a Christmas tree farm. I think I'm pretty sure we would be able to do it with all the people in this group. Yeah. Yeah, It was just going to be the three of us and we were just going to run it. Perfect. We were going to be like, this is our retirement plan. They were my closest people. I told them everything. I still wasn't at the level of being able to tell them my actual feelings when they went because they did show too many times that like I brought up something that was they were very connected from they dropped me as soon as I was no longer dropped me it suddenly becomes very much like I don't want you to drop me I care about you too much now that if I lose you I will lose well and I think that that's the that's the whole thing though if you were with those people, you were probably very surface level and those things never came up. Those deep, deep conversations. Because the thing is, though, they did. It was on their side. Like, I would be there for their deep, deep conversations. The breakups, the the hurt, the, the family trauma, the everything. And it was not real. Did you let them in? Your life? I one time cried in front of, well, there was one time I brought up when I hurt. And there was another time I cried in front of them and they just all got like real about it. And so then I was like, okay, we can't do that again. That's not going to happen. 
And it was one of those things where, and it was at a point where I was a little transactional, where I would reach out when they got dumped and I would be there for them. And then I would expect them to I got dumped. And it wouldn't. So, I don't know. It it was one of those things, too, I realized when I stopped starting every conversation. Facebook, all that sort of stuff. It just stopped by. So I was like, oh, this is very transactional. Like, I'm always giving this this thing. They're getting what they want out of it. And, like, what, what is happening in this friendship? They're, it's what good am I? It's, yeah. It's what it is. And... I had one friend to start, one of them started kind of like interacting me passive, with me passively on Facebook. And the other one just had, so, I mean, it hurt. And I'm trying my best to move past it, but it kind of has colored every relationship with my friends specifically. Because otherwise I dump people. Like, I'm yeah. just like, I'm not, not going to deal with it. But if I let you in super far, well, now you're, I'm fucked because now I can't dump you. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're stuck with me. Well, and I think that's what hurt so much with this acquaintance and this whole situation too. Was like I thought that maybe there was, you know, a reason why, like, right. you know, this person was like, yes, I want to be a part of this group, and I know how supportive you guys can be, and mm-hmm. all the things. But then it felt like it was like weaponized, or it was like used. Was like I just felt used, yeah. and so it, that's the the hard part. But then when I when I think about and hear about those relationships that you had growing up. I had so many people didn't know. I didn't let people know what was going on back at my, in well, my home. My house. I didn't, I didn't let people know, but, other things but I would know. also get really into everybody else's stuff and like be there for them. To fix it and solve it. Cause that's what you need. But you need someone to do that for you when you had nobody to do it. Well, and then when I graduated, I was like, these people don't mean anything to me because they, I literally, I didn't connect. I didn't, I didn't connect with them the way that I let them connect with me or vice versa I guess you were connecting in the way that you needed and no one was reaching yeah so then when but the people that I was trauma bonded to that were experiencing the same thing in their households those people I was friends with for a really long time one of them I still am um but that's it and it was just because we had we knew each other so deeply and all the wounds and all the bad things both going down with the ship and we were just connected in that way. So and that's then, not good either because now we're feeding into the only way you're going to have that connection is with people who can understand that yeah. and not allowing people who don't experience that to attempt. Right. Because, like, I've never been abused in the way you have. Yeah. I can understand it in some regards because of other things that have happened to me. But I'm never going to understand that level of like well, and I'll never- accepting it and not like from I'm always that per- I become that person like why didn't you leave? Even though deep down I know that that is not the answer. It's the same people in domestic violence situations. It's the same thing with laws. Like they can't always just leave, mm-hmm. but you have that knee jerk reaction of like why would have? You haven't experienced it. I can't give you give anybody that because mm-hmm. you don't know it, and so you have to. Take a little bit of humility, or I do specifically, knowing that you've things that are far worse, and I can only be there in the ways that you actually, which will require me to ask, what is it that will help you? Well, yes, 
I do. I do think that's very helpful to like, remember, like, what can I do for you? Because what I naturally think might help me, I could mm-hmm. give someone and then they're like, that yep. didn't help at all. That happens to me all the time where I'm like, well, this would help me. It's not going to help anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> or like I've learned to, you get, you get to meet Jody in a couple months um, for not even less than a month or a little under a month, a little more than a month, a little more than a month. Um, time. Time is one of the, one of the things that she um, said one at one reading, I don't know if it was the first one or the second birthday that I had this, but she said, maybe you should stop helping people. And I'm like, excuse me. I got so offended when my therapist basically said the same thing. And she was like, sometimes people's sole lesson is to learn to ask for help. And by you yep. asserting yourself into their world and helping them, you are hindering their growth. And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor did the same thing to me the other day when he's like, you know, you're giving your sister unsolicited advice. I'm like, oh, no, she asked for it. He's like, she asked for the first, like, fourth of it. Yeah. And the other yeah, I think you brought that up the last time. Yeah. The, the other three fourths is you, bud. And I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? Oops. Stay in your lane. I'm doing the correct thing. And there's no correct thing. Yeah. Well, and I think that we're just, and I don't think that comparing, like, yes, I definitely experienced um, violence and abuse and fear deep deep fear uh my whole life but like i i I had to work really really hard and Brene brown helped me with this was like i can never compare there is no no because like i can't put my i mean i can put myself in anyone's shoes but i didn't live it i didn't i I wasn't in that brain i wasn't in that house you're going to be making assumptions based on on the personality that was created in a different environment yeah and it's it's worth i had to learn the I need to know how to help you. And if that's one of those things where we get uncomfortable about asking our friends that, maybe we make a document of like, if we're really down, I would appreciate if someone did this. Or if I'm overwhelmed, if someone could make me food, like certain things, you know, same thing when you make a birthday list of everyone's birthdays and then their favorite things. And so that way you have a list of stuff. And it sounds impersonal. No, it's it's so good. it It sounds very logic. It sounds very like, oh, you're making it like a document and you're blah, blah, blah. And you're keeping all these people's secrets. Like, no, it's the, I can't remember even what I do in a day. No, it's like charting. It's like charting on your clients or. How am I going to help my friend the best? Here's my good old fashioned, the, the, the document people use to have like the phone, little like phone thing next to their phone where it had everybody's information in there. Yeah. Same thing. Make yourself a little document. A little, a little laminated little checklist. Maybe, maybe we should, I'm going to make a Google, I'm going to make a Google form and have all our friends. (laughs) That would be so fun. (laughs) I would love a little book of like little laminated pages where I could be like, oh, I know that Liz is having a bad time. What's her favorite soda? Right. Where can I send her a coffee from? <laughs> right. What do I send her? <laughs> like, what does she need now? What is her preferred method? Well, and also I feel like that is very like, yes, gifts, but that is a very hard thing for me sometimes. If I'm in my feels and someone gives me something, I feel terrible. Right. Exactly. Um, Gift giving is like a one on the scale of love languages for me but i'm learning that because that is what i got offered and given after abuse after violence after so it was like what did i what's gonna happen or what did you do and it Uh, just has that it feels very tit for tat for me where i'm like oh you gave me that well now i have to give you like three that too it depends on where it's never it's it's more often than not a bad feeling oh, when yeah, I when I get a guest. It's now suddenly an external knock of the place. Yeah. 
or something's about to happen. Or she's, she's <laughs> um, yeah. So I feel like knowing everybody's love languages too would be I'm cool. Making, I'm making a whole thing. Knowing everybody's love language or not, not love languages, like all of them, but like their main one, like knowing their main love language. And then also knowing like some of their favorite things that would make them happy. I would like to also point out here's a, um, Kool-Aid man, Elizabeth, right before we go on break. Mm-hmm. Um, love languages are actually made by Christian, uh, a Christian organization to prevent um, the, the gays. You know what? That sucks. But I think we're going to very, it. very, we're very gonna helpful. Abuse it. We're going to abuse it as gay people. Yeah, we are. Um, the do, the gays have taken the love languages so much gay shit in this love language that sucks that that's how it was founded but at the same time I feel like that has saved not saved but made my marriage we're able very to communicate yeah like it, it sucks that a lot of these phrases are created in not so great situations but then it's I I'm that's why I like I like call myself queer and like oh that's, that's a bad term and like originally it wasn't it literally meant you were happy and, or you're a little weird. And now it's like, oh, you're, it's a slur and I'm reclaiming it and taking it as this is the best way for me to explain who I am. Yep. And that's the same thing with love language. We're going to take it and we're going to use it and we're not going to let it be misogynistic, which was the original concept. It was like against the gays. And then it was also prevent wives from thinking that their husbands didn't care about them because then they're, oh, it, their, their love language is acts of service. And in reality, they were just. Yeah, no, it's helped me so much um, understand Sam and when I'm not loving him, like I might be loving him the way that I think is the best. But when I look at his love languages and what he actually needs for me, I'm doing the opposite of what he actually needs. So Uh, regardless of how it was founded, it works. We're fucking using it, bro. (laughs) We're putting a rainbow on it. My cat just dramatically opened the window, so we're going to go take a short break. And I'm going to see what he's up to. He's, he's shenanigans. Probably trying to look for birds. What are you talking about? I literally wrote this a bunch at the end. Cool, 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 cool. That was feeling... We're back. We're talking about responsibilities. Oi. Oi. We uh we definitely talked a lot about how we perceive situations too. And how that kind of colors how we communicate with others. And placing burdens on ourselves that our friends wouldn't. But we did talk about the uh Basically me making a Google form of everybody's what's their needs and their favorite color. <laughs> I love that. Because then like, I don't know, it, it would just, it feels good. It feels really, really good when you feel very alone and isolated to have a tiny little thing that's like somebody's thinking about you. Nice. Well, and then it, it sucks because you can, especially us that are hyper independent, uh, we tend to do the thing where want people to do that but we've never told them what we wanted read my mind right (laughs) know what i want all the time and if you don't you suck well then i second guess we're like okay we brought up this one topic and i really really think you're really great on it and then i'll be like wait was that the topic or did they like disagree like you remember (laughs) so i get it wrong all the time i did that to taylor where i told my sister to get him a gift and i'm pretty sure i got him 
the opposite of what he actually liked and it was like, well, whoops. So the anxiety steps in and overrides your gut feeling. I don't get to trust my gut. I have IBS. <laughs> That's why I love coming over here. And if I have a stomach rumble, you're like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I love that. I mean, yeah. everybody poops. We know that. But it's just very nice to just be open about it. And you're not like, worry. I'm going to have the worst time ever. I'm like, there's it's fine. enough under the sink if you feel like you need to wash yourself. There's okay. wipes in, in the drawer. What do you need? There's a whole shower behind you. <laughs> Jump on in. Always off after. You're fine. Um, and I'll be like, did, did it feel good enough? Like, are you good now? Are you, are you cleansed? Do you need to lay down for a minute? Yeah, I think the responsibility thing, it's hard to take ownership of things if you messed up. I think that's that's something that I try really, really hard to take accountability for if I've done something to upset someone. And I think that kind of ties into what we were talking about, about like, I don't know. I really want to like, quote unquote, calling each other out when you feel like you feel a certain type of way about mm-hmm. something. And it may not even be meant that way. It, it probably wasn't. You were just took it that way. But then you're expressing yourself and how you feel because you don't want to have a resentment happen in your brain without talking it through. And I, I think that that's the hardest thing is just like, taking responsibility for your own feelings and then instead of like burying them down deep inside it's being able to recognize it and then feeling safe enough to tell people about the feelings but then also sometimes it's if it's something that you know isn't gonna like i don't know kill you on the inside it's it it might be something that it's okay to not bring it up if yeah. you can work on it yourself. But I feel like for some, a lot of us in our little circle, we are learning so much all the time. We're like toddlers in a group chat. Yeah. I don't know what I feel like that's because we're just so like outspoken about what's going on in our lives we're, at any given time. We're bumbling around. like geez. So I feel like for us, maybe it is better to like be like, OK, this happened and I don't know why. Well, but like, and then it's I don't know if it's better or worse that when you you had that moment you explained that you knew that it was on you that you were feeling these things instead of just like you did this to me right putting it back on me because like immediately I get defensive because that's just kind of a thing everybody does because you're trying to stay keep yourself safe and I was trying to explain myself and that was like the 14,000 message and then I had to process it and be like, she knows it's on her. It wasn't you. Yep. She's not <laughs> blaming you. But even though you still feel blamed, so reset that and be like, I know you know it wasn't my intent, but I want to reverbalize that like it was not my intent. So, you, so like <laughs> yeah. your your concept is correct, but yes. like it wasn't my intent, and that I'm sorry that that was the feeling that came from that, and I will try not to do it again, but it probably. See, and I don't even expect that because like we're human. And shit's going to come out all the time. Like, I've said and done things where I'm like, ooh, that was not, a, that was terrible. And then I either address it or, I do address it. But it's like, do I address it, like, head on? Do I ask a question first? Of like, yeah. hey, how did last night go for you? <laughs> how was that conversation? How do you feel today? <laughs> and if it's like, a, yeah, I feel great. Okay, cool. So it's just me in my head. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. The amount of times it happens is ridiculous. It's just like we had D&D one time and Sam goes, Oh, I thought Liz was just going to be like a one episode character. And then I was like, nope, she's in it for the long haul. And then everybody leaves. And I message my sister like the next day. I'm like, I ruined the game because I put Liz in like this important role. Like, 
Am I becoming a Mary Sue? Am I ruining D&D? Does, like, Sam hate me? Do you think? Do you think everybody hates me now? <laughs> She's like, no. She's like, I like having this around because it gives me, like, a, a touch point of somebody, like, my character could care about. And it keeps me engaged in the story instead of you introducing, you know, all these characters. I mean, there's one everyone keeps calling Liam Neeson and they hate him. And even though he's supposed to be a really important character of the campaign. And, and it's just the immediate, like, my Liam Neeson can still get my, he can still steal my heart. He He's just still, hasn't proved it yet. Just hasn't proved it. Um, and I think also like directly talking, like Sam has never mentioned anything to me outside of D&D. We try not to talk about it though at all because we mm-hmm. want it to be like a very like, this is our characters playing the game and we don't talk about it like outside. Mm-hmm. But I wonder what he would even say if you did bring it up. Like, like I'm so sorry. Yeah, I have no idea. Because I, I worry about that because I've been in a campaign where one of the characters became very main character. And so the rest of us are kind of put pushed back. And that's why I basically gave all of you guys like main character energy. I'm like, no, all of you get to be main character. There is no one less important than the other. And then I'm like, oh God, I'm stealing this whole game by putting my character in a very important position. And I'm like, no, it's because it's the only way they're gonna keep them on track. They We've also never played, so like you could like literally do anything. And I'd be like, I don't know. Sure, that sounds great. I mean, honestly, that's exactly what I'm doing. Like I made, I made the, I made a fucking general store like a time travel because I needed you guys to be someplace else, and I was tired of like trying to get you through that town. Love it. And I'm like, cool. I'm here for it. <laughs> like, I don't know anything. Because we're all like, I don't fucking want to. No one wanted to be in that town anymore. We're like, why do we have to wait so long? <laughs> like, good question. No, we don't. Um, but it's just I am hyper vigilant over something that I shouldn't have. Like I shouldn't be because none of you guys are on that level. And if it was, you'd kill me. Yeah. Well, and the hypervigilance thing, that gets me into big trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to. I felt I had to. I need to start framing that. I I felt like I had to be hypervigilant so I could try to guess um, about what was going to happen, even though I usually. Well, I got pretty good at it, actually. At the end. Um, and just kind of. So then now that's what I do is I try to guess like what's going to happen next step. Yeah. I'm like, OK, so if this happens, this will happen. If this happens, this will happen. If this will like. So it's constant, a constant state of fear, worry and anxiety because it's like, well, but I'll be prepared. Right. Like I will be prepared no matter what, though. I'll hate it. So there's that. I think the worst part is that because you were good at it, like if you weren't good at it. Wouldn't probably be as bad at breaking that cycle. Because you got good at it, it was reinforced frequently. And because it was reinforced frequently, that is how your mindset is like, well, I was correct. So I'm not going to get out of this this cycle because this is keeping me safe. And mm-hmm. if, if it hadn't been reinforced and you had been wrong most of the time, you'd be like, well, there's no fucking point in trying to do this anymore. I think, I think that's what's so cool about the, um, the parts work. Mm-hmm. Because it's been so ingrained and it's like all of these parts are so intertwined now. They're just like all a part of us. Like they are. We say that it's all a part of it, but like we have to figure out how to like break them all apart. Right. Like, okay, so here's the part that does this. Here's the part like where where's me in here? Right. Like where's myself? And like that's it's really freaking complicated and really hard emotional work for anybody who hasn't done it. But it's so freaking rewarding. Yeah, I think. It's also one of those things where we kind of develop a, a sunk cost fallacy with the specific parts. You don't want to get rid of them, and that's part of why parts work. I think uh, I I feel that it's it's one of those things where you're never getting rid of those parts. You're just telling them they're not in control right now, because why would you? You don't want to get rid of something you've put so much energy. 
much of your life, so much of who you are into. So if you were like, no, I gotta get rid of it now, I feel like you've got rid of a part of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's the conversation I have with my therapist where you be like, you aren't responsible for all these things. What would happen if you stopped acting as if you were responsible for everything? And that kind of made me panic, being like, this is my whole personality is the mom friend, the one that takes care of people, the fixer, the the problem solver, the one that's there, the TV mom. And like that is not far, it's a part of who you are. And trying to make sure that doesn't stay in charge is a little complicated. I think the for anybody who doesn't know parts work, it's like it it's generally that you just have a bunch of parts that make up who you are, but there's the three primary categories that they talk about in it. There's exiled parts, managers, and firefighters. And I tried to get it as like simple as possible. Your exiles are your psychological trauma, more more than likely from childhood, but it can be later in life too. But they carry the pain and the fear. So the exiles are the ones that usually the other parts are protecting. Um, they're the ones that are like the feeling of isolated and they're in pain and they're in fear. And then you've got your managers. Um, for me, my big manager is anger. Um, but they're the ones that prevent the exiles from feeling the pain and are protecting them. Um, then they're usually protected protector parts. Um, and then the firefighters are emerge when exiles break out a demand. Um, so they're like, no, containment, get drunk, containment, <laughs> containment breach out of nowhere. Yeah, it's like the overworking, over medicating, addictions, violence, distractions. So it's like, oh, you want to feel something? No, 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 put that away. Um, so that's those are the three parts, and then it goes into like a whole thing. It's definitely something I recommend if you can afford it and you can manage it to get a therapist to help guide you through this. And even if you can't, there's some really cool resources. So there's yeah. a book uh, I was just telling Liz on it about it on the break, but there was a book that my old therapist recommended on. I just got it on Amazon, um, but it's just self therapy and it's an IFS workbook. I, I definitely do recommend developing some healthy coping mechanisms before you jump in. If you're jumping in by yourself, because uh, it could crack open some stuff in you where you're like, well, fuck me. They do help you with that in there, too. That's good. Yep. That's good. Yeah, because that's the biggest thing is we are not definitely not therapists and we will never claim to be. Uh, it's just one of those things where we're talking about our feelings and the things that we've gone through. Just so that way, if you relate at all, that it's something you'll seen and heard and that you're not alone. But it's also one of those things if you try to tackle things by yourself, sometimes you may not be in the right space for that. Yeah. But yeah, my therapist at one point did bring up like, there's some parts where it is the reactive and proactive. So I was very much the proactive parts where I would read the room and try to guess what's going to happen and mediate and that sort of thing. And my sister, because I was doing that so much, I accidentally made her a part and her part was reactive. And so she didn't get to manage things very well. She just got to start fires and I would put them out. And so that helped me kind of understand more of her outbursts too when she had them. And she's 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 definitely done so much better and I'm very proud of her. But it helped me kind of understand those interactions more. And yeah, it's it's weird, you know, having 
realize that there are parts of you. It's, it's not like DID where you're dissociating and your other personality comes out. It's just, it's a, it's you. It's just yep. whichever one's more powerful at the time. Yep. That's why my seven-year-old shows up as like a fucking Kool-Aid man bust through the wall. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to <laughs> I me. I want I to be heard. I have things. You'll love them. She's like a little crow. She just like brings you shiny things and leaves. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and I think it's just like under like a deeping, deeper understanding of ourselves, but it's it's scary. It is a scary thing. And Anytime like time you jump into yourself, it's scary, and then yeah. you still have the outside world happening at the same mm-hmm. time. Like this past weekend was kind of so messy for a lot of us who are going through stuff and trying to sort out our own shit and having shit happening to us the past couple of weeks. Like a bunch of our friends and us have been going through some shit, and then I just kind of like hit in a different spot where we kind of ruined like little safe space we created. And or it felt like that. It in the felt moment. like it. For sure. Yeah, it was quickly resolved, and everyone was able to kind of like talk about it afterwards, which proves that the space we created is very safe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just a moment of like, well, now fuck, well, now what? Shit. <laughs> what are we gonna this do? This is now? my safe space, and I'm not gonna lie. Like when my emotions were really, really high yesterday, especially, I was like, should I delete this group? Has this gotten overboard? Do we need this group? And then I was like. That would be so sad. Right. <laughs> it would be so sad. I would have been like, Kayla, have you eaten? Have you taken a right. bath? Have you showered? <laughs> well, and there was a lot of things. Like, there's a lot of things that have happened. Um, I had to kind of put everything into perspective in my life, too. There was a lot of things that all kind of came to a head at the same time. Yep. And I think that happens to me most of the time. I think we're aware of that happening. Because we get overwhelmed and now we're very aware of yeah. the next 10 things that happen. Yeah. Instead of them just happening. That was just kind of the thing that like, I was like, no more! <laughs> Turn it down. We're done with this! I have those two. Where yeah. I just kind of like, get rid of everything. Remove it. I have those, like, I purge that apartment randomly. And a poor tailor would be yeah. like, where's my cord? And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'll buy you a new one. Because I've just completely like, gutted the apartment for no reason. Yeah, because I'm, in, I'm overwhelmed. I feel like I'm in a purge stage. I've been like that for like a month. I recommend the book Swedish Death Cleaning. Oh yeah, you've said that. Yeah, I couldn't really get into, into Marie Kondo um, because the concept of like what brings you joy was just not in a place I was at. Like I've never, I never like I watched like two episodes of that. And I don't like know. I get there was things that like out of necessity, your your meds never bring you joy, but you still need them. Or like clothes don't bring you joy, but you still need them. But for me, I'm like I don't understand how to implement joy when joy is dopamine rushes for me so you're saying that the 40 bajillion stickers i've bought in the past three weeks i get to keep every single one of them and i will continue buying yeah, more. see i don't like that like I need, then, I need logical with yep. with i think you and i can both agree on that like with how we grew up and how we had dysfunctional living how spaces, joy yeah how joy works like, for us are, is very that's bad. not even a thing i'm just like this is all shit like this is all just stuff around like, me like hyper, i don't care my hyper fixation will show up and then i'll keep everything from that and like next week i'll purge all of yep, it because i'm I- exactly that way so like it makes sense the logical stuff so that's why i love like the um what was i just talking to you about on the break uh it's the one where they like color code all the things and they like whatever. What is it called? The home edit. Yes, the home edit. That's why I like that because it's like it makes sense to me. Like you need a lot of little things in the drawers to separate the things in the drawers so then you can find the things. Like that makes sense because it's just broken down and it's right there in your face and you're like, okay, now I have to do it. Yep. 
and then it will stay that way but it's also just getting out of my own head about it every place will have a place but my biggest problem is i also have chronic pain so like i'll start doing something i'm like okay here's the setup and then i have to live with it for a week and be like that setup didn't work one thing that i picked up from it though is they like say all the things and they make it look really easy Mm -hmm. but when you see them building out the spaces for storage they literally have a blueprint so, like, that was something, too, that, like, all of a sudden I had an aha moment where I'm, like, I could just blueprint out every drawer of what it would look like. And, yeah, it might be different once I start organizing stuff, but at least I would have, like, a loose idea. There was a book I got as a kid. It was in the Scholastic Book Fair. The fact that I bought, the fact that I bought this just kind of proves that, like, the fact that I was living in a hoarder's house did not make sense for my brain. It was literally, like, a teen's guide to organization. I love it. Like it was a whole workbook. And one of the things they told me to do, and I love the concept, it just couldn't really fit because I was a teenager living in one room in a house that just wasn't functional. The concept was go through your entire week and write down like you you've broken up your house into all these spaces. You have like here's your living rooms, whatever. Like break it down, write yourself a map, whatever. And throughout the week, document what you're doing and where you're if you have stuff in your office but you actually do more work at the couch and then you end up leaving everything at the couch because putting it away feels like an extra chore you have now learned that you need a storage space in your living room that will take over this part of your work so you know yeah but i have like reverse I don't want that. I don't want to you do are, that. You are trying to force yourself into a setup that yes. if you can keep it going, that's great. But a lot of times you cannot. I need to make the setup the place where I want it the way it needs so to I'm be. So I'm kind of doing that now where like all my D&D stuff is ending up in the living room. But I brought in one of the shelving units we have. I'm adding little buckets so it looks nicer and it looks like it's supposed to fit in the living room. But all the, the D&D, D&D shit is now going to go in there. Because I never put it back in my office at the end of D&D. It always sat in the living room. So instead of forcing myself for the extra 10 minutes because of my chronic pain, my chronic everything, I'm tired, it's 9.30 at night, I've fucking performed for four hours, I put it away there. And it'll be easier for you guys to put your stuff away too, and it's all done. And so there is a balance, of course. You You want your office to be your office space, and that's why they also say don't work from your bed because you want it to be your sleep space. And so you still have to figure that out. But if there's certain things, like go through your entire week. How do you cook? How is the functionality and layout of your room? What makes sense to you when you're cooking? That is how you need to lay out your drawers. So that way you always automatically put things back there because that's how you're thinking already. Right. Well, that's kind of how we did our kitchen too. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we took responsibility if we're on that and accountability for what we had allowed to happen in there mm-hmm. for however long. And we were both pissed (laughs) all the time every time we would cook anytime we would do anything so we just Mm -hmm. stopped doing it we stopped we started buying easy to make things we started feeling like shit like it was just all all tied together so then yeah like two and a half days of our vacation we literally deep cleaned and reorganized our entire kitchen and it feels so freaking good like even though my kitchen is literally destroyed um it's a mess right now but i left it in disarray um i will go back and i'll be able to do the dishes and it's still gonna be perfectly organized the way that mm-hmm. we put it so it's like yes it's messy but it's fine 
The one thing I, I, I know, I believe the home edit does the thing where you have like smaller jars that you put other things in. Like, yes. I hate that. I love it. You, you know, know why I hate that? I don't have it. I want it. You know why I hate that? Is <laughs> because you put the stuff in the smaller jar and you still have the bigger thing. I live in an apartment. Where am I going to put the bigger thing? So they're, they're in drawers. I don't have a drawer space. So put the extra stuff. So you have to find those things. That's I don't the have thing. That space. So they call them, they call them something. I think they just call it product. I don't remember. But like basically you open up a drawer and you measure it and then you can figure out how many of the things in the drawer that you need according to what you're organizing. So like so like say you opened up a, a drawer in your kitchen and you have it laid out by like, I don't know, I'm just going to throw some numbers out there like a 10 by 10 drawer. So then you have like two things in there because you'd have one thing for this and one thing for this or whatever. But so they have like that mentality of there's containers in containers. I'm fine with containers and containers because that's my entire life, even though my ADHD also says now you can't find anything. I need to make myself a spreadsheet, which I used to do. My parents also used to do it with our DVDs because we didn't know how many we had or VHSs and we accidentally would buy the same ones over and over again. So we literally made a spreadsheet of what we owned and where they were located. And smart. And that I'm I'm spreadsheet brain. I fucking love it. It makes makes my heart sing. When we get all all of our DVDs uh, organized downstairs. I should call you. It vaguely, like, we're on DVDs list. It, it, it vaguely turns me on. But, um, <laughs> oh, that's another episode. Remember? Organization, organization turns me on. We'll, we'll have to have our sex no. episode. Yeah, we're, I was going to say our sex episode with Aaron. That's a, that's a different one. It's just going to be Keep it in. Here. Keep it in. Keep it in. Keep it together. But the, the, the biggest, and this is probably why I fucking bought that book at like 15, being like, I want to organize my entire life. They believe in zones, and like, I get that. And yours is kind of the same thing. You yeah. create zones. It's whatever. Yeah. But the biggest problem is especially the, the aesthetic ones online, where they pour like the macaroni into a, a jug. Oh my god! But it's then, so satisfying. But then they still have more in the other jug. So okay. like the, the the original bulk buy, they have to find space. Oh no! The bulk no, containers. Fuck that! Absolutely. I'm not. like, I don't have room for that. It's know. all gonna get trashed. Do I want that? Yes. But it's not gonna happen. I mean, I might at some point buy giant containers for pasta, and then put the pasta in there once I learn how much a portion of pasta is. Because right now I just dump the box in and hope for the best. And so that will be a future me. <laughs> we're getting better at that now that we're meal, meal prepping. So it's kind of been fun, yeah. like figuring out how much rice and how because, many noodles. Because I would like to. I know the benefit of bulk buying certain things. I also know that I have hicks so quickly that i'll just suddenly be like i don't want to eat any of the food i just bought so we have to we have to work through other trauma responses but i understand the container within container thing i actually kind of want to go back through our stuff and kind of better organize what we have in there and what has worked and what hasn't worked because I mean, I already did that with all of our, our specialty drinks because we kept putting them on the counter because we had no space for it. So I just bought a cart. But our parts work is beyond just, just our our internal self. It's now our environment. We're parts working our This is cute. Parts work is a lot, but it is... I feel like when you're... If you want to have a better life and you want to have better connections and better relationships and everything... You have to figure out what works for you, whether it's parts work or therapy or I don't know, whatever you need to do to to figure it out and be better and do better. And sometimes that does involve medications, which 
That has been a really hard pill to swallow. No pun intended. Actually, yeah. Un- pun fully intended. Unfully intended. Um, I I am learning so much about myself, but I've I witnessed people being judged severely taking medications growing up. Mm-hmm. And like it was just a very like, oh, you're crazy, you're on medication, like you have a problem, you are the problem, you have issues. And then now realizing that that person, my beautiful grandmother, who it's almost a year since she passed away, she had bipolar one disorder. And the chances of everyone underneath her having Mm -hmm. bipolar disorder of some kind, which I'm learning all of that, too, Mm -hmm. is like, yeah, there's bipolar one, which is like the manic. Everybody talks about everybody knows about it's like you can get in and out of prison, you know, that type of extreme to bipolar two, to soft bipolar and everywhere in between and like just figuring out what that means and how to taking responsibility for a working diagnosis or a diagnosis and then understanding that maybe taking a pill every day is actually going to make your quality of life better. Now there's that online joke of store-bought is fine. Yeah. So like... Oh, yeah, some serotonin. I used to roll my eyes at that. I used to be like, Write some serotonin. I used to be like, get therapy. You don't need medication. Like I used to be that person. Um, and so unlearning that has been really, really hard and accepting that yeah. I, I might feel better on medications and it's okay that I take them, even though still, as I'm saying it right now, I'm like, I could not take them and I would not have to worry about going off of something or is it okay if I'm taking it while I'm pregnant and is it okay? Is it messing with my body in other ways? Like, I mean, there's just all these things that I can get. Yeah. I, yeah, I get that. I mean, my parents, they have always been on certain medications. They both, they both from the military and all that sort of stuff. The thing is though, they still kind of have that mindset of you're better without it. So like, if you don't have to take it, you're doing much better than if you had to take it. And it was only recently that I learned of the concept of chasing pain. And so if you took your medications, like your pain medication specifically, when you need to, you can take less and you're able to take less than if you decide, no, I don't need to take it and I'll only take it when it really hurts. Because it's always going to be in the system. It's already helping. It's like when you clean your house a little bit by a time, it's not as bad as when you have your whole house as a disaster and you have to clean. It's overwhelming and you need a lot more gun power, like like arm power, elbow grease, whatever, to to attack the situation. And learning that has helped me understand that it's okay. I will take my leave in the morning. I will take these medications I need to take. Because it's helping me from having to clean the mountain when it is still a molehill. I can and that's hard to get behind, too, mm-hmm. because you still feel like, no, no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Well, and that's that's I can relate in the way of. On Monday, I so what it'll be a week tomorrow, a week ago tomorrow, I met with my med manager and I literally said, I want to be off of all of the things. Like, just take me off of it. I'm not feeling okay. We tried to go up and it won't work. So I just want to get off of it. And she goes, can you do me a favor? I was like, sure. And then she was like, how did you feel before you came to see me? 
And then so I had to go back there mentally. And then she goes, okay, so how are you feeling now compared to that? I was like, better. But it still sucks. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, can you do me a solid? Because we have done the work. We've gotten you to this milligram of your prescription. Let's add this thing. And right away I was like, we're adding a thing now? Yep. Like, why would we do that? We tried to go up in this medication and it didn't work. And she's like, because some things work differently together. You already have this one built up in your system. Will you do me a favor and try it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then the first couple of days, which I know are very, very hard. So I didn't sleep for like three days. And like so, so I was very overwhelmed and very, very tired. And you had just gone back to work and you're like, well, fuck me. It was all the things that were happening all at once. And then life, like you said, life is still happening. So that's another thing. And I'm finally, after one week of being on it, understanding what she was saying. Um, but it's it's so hard to accept the fact that I can't do it on my own. It's so hard. And it's the har- hypervigilance in us, too. Of that, yeah. The hyper-independent, hyper-everything being like, I have to do it myself. Yeah. Because you can't trust anybody else. Right. And that's what your brain is telling you in reality. That's not Well, true. and the toxic... I I love personal development. I always have. And I really, really do value it. It's created the person I am now. And I'm very grateful for it. But there's a lot of toxic personal development out there. Oh, yeah. That is very against medication and mental health. It's very, like, you should just be who you are without any influence. Right. Like, like and well, technically you've already been influenced and therefore you need other things. It's, to it's really interesting. Like they're like, well, if you get off medication and stop clouding your mind, maybe you see things clearer. And it's like, but, but the chemicals that were in my brain before weren't allowing me to see the things clearer. Now I'm able to do that. Well, it's like learning that like the reason why I have the quote unquote situational ADHD. I still I want to get on a shirt now. Situational fucking a joke. I, the You're one situationally anything <laughs> right like everything is a situation. Um, the one thing she did say that I did kind of understand more is she said that more than likely because of your trauma, you do not produce serotonin, and because of that, your body was connecting to dopamine as the replacement, and you are always looking for that dopamine rush because you have no serotonin and it doesn't matter if you tell me this and you send me to therapy and you teach me everything i will still not be producing serotonin like it's not going to happen without outside help and so it's the same thing with my sister they always say she goes to the pharmacist and they're like all oh, these two medications you might get like serotonin syndrome and she's like, nope, do not even have to worry about that. Or her doctor's like, nope, you will never have to worry about that. Because we don't produce serotonin, basically. So there's no way to be like, okay, don't cloud your mind. I wasn't clouding my mind for 28 years. These people will say, eat better, exercise, do all the things. And like, which, yes, they help. I do understand that. But it's like, it's almost like they treat going on medications as a cop-out. It's the crutch, even though, first of all, if you broke your foot, you'd still need the crutch. So you can heal it. There's nothing wrong with the crutch. If you are disabled and need a wheelchair, there's nothing wrong with you because you need a wheelchair. But now you can do more because you have that. 
And yeah, I think that's the thing that I'm I'm it's, trying it's to get hard. past. And especially since we don't have anything visibly wrong. Yeah. It's even an extra level of like, well, now what? But I know I, you were worried about medications and having kids. And it's one of those things where I brought up like, look up the medication. What does it say about being pregnant? Mm-hmm. It didn't say anything. It said it's basically that you might have to take more because your body will process it. I don't know about this new one now. I should probably look and, that up. And one of those things is like, talk to your doctor about that. Be like, I do want to have kids. And that's something I brought up too. So they avoid certain medications. They're like, well, this one will do something similar. Let's go with this one. And I think that's helped too. And she's very good at that. Like when and I having having the conversation about what your goal is is very important. Well, and we do that because I mean she knows mm-hmm. how she knows how adverse you know to this whole process I am. So she's like, okay, I hear you. Yeah, my, my I so, hear you. My poor psychiatrist. I she had to make me do the hour long appointments instead of thirty because I would always just unload everything on her and be like, here's the new things. things. <laughs> she's like, let's give you the hour long instead of half an hour so we don't run over it. Um, it's gotten better because we're starting to dial it in, but I would like go with every feeling I was having because I'm like, I don't even know what the truth is. I think I'm overthinking it. Is it actually working? What is happening? But we talked a lot about feelings. We talked a really long time with this episode. This is going to be a long one. Whatever. Responsibility is a fucking Res- long word. Responsibilities. <laughs> that was one of the ones where I had to like break it up. Like response, no E, ability. <laughs> I had to type this because, okay, so behind the scenes here, I use OBS to record. Um, because if power goes out, it will still keep what we've already talked about. And so I always put on the screen, because OBS is technically a video recorder, I always put like the, the topic and the date. And I was like, I put up responsibility and I'm like staring at it. My eyes and L's and T's and what? But yeah, it's another serious topic. We need, to, we need to have less serious topics. Even our ghosts and our, 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 our witches ones this past couple times were very serious. Maybe maybe next next time we'll talk only yeah. about home organizing and we'll talk about the home edit exclusively. Oh my god, I have so many episodes. And, to and, and then and there'll then, be research. <laughs> and then how about this? Anybody in the com- <laughs> anybody in our comments? Kayla will read speech death cleaning. I will watch the home edit. We will we will we will work on this and we'll come back and we're doing we're doing winter cleaning instead of spring cleaning. Is our winter cleaning? Well, at fall cleaning. I mean, that's a thing. We have that's to sh- we have to shut everything up now. Pretty soon, like pretty soon, no more windows open. And I don't want to be trapped in there with pounds and pounds and pounds of fur because I have three cats and I have two dogs and there's a lot of hair going on. And you're a hairstylist, so it's even worse. It's it's, it's covering you all the time. It's a problem. So I need to clean all the nooks and crannies with the windows open before I shut them for six months 30 years <laughs> right 30 years later until the great, and until the great death that every, every year thanks for listening to this week's podcast we appreciate you listening to us lament about responsibilities join us again in two weeks we'll be talking stuff about the holidays yeah, Thanksgiving is fast approaching. Think of all the delicious foods. Food. Mm, if you found this episode interesting, you can listen to our entire backlog of episodes at popdishpodcast.com or join us on any of our socials. Until next time, podcast out. <laughs> <laughs>